This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello everyone, you're listening to By the Book with me Sharmila Ganesan and as always my fellow explorer of new fiction Lee Trelin. Hello. It's our monthly book club episode and as always we uh, have a guest on for this and today joining us is lawyer Parvin Koharnam. Parvin good to have you with us. Hi, thanks for having me for something a bit different today. <laughs> yeah, we usually have you on for um I think the the evening edition show so it's really yeah. quite nice to have you on for this and Thanks for suggesting the book that we're talking about today. So we've been reading and now we're going to talk about Tori Peters' Detransition Baby. Big splash when it came out. Um, and uh, really, I think it was nominated for the Women's Fiction Prize in 2021. Parvin, do you want to talk us through why you picked this book to talk about? Um, okay, I'll try to think about why I chose this book. So um, actually, generally, when I read, I tend to look at lists. So um, this one particular, I think it, it came out in one of the lists. I'm not sure which one specifically. So the story I, I thought was very interesting. What I specifically like about this story is that it's about um, the idea of a family unit that is modern, that is different from the usual family unit. So that's probably because of my own background. I have a bit of a different uh, family unit compared to a lot of uh, people, I would say, you know, single parent household, things like that. So that's what attracted me to the book. First thing that attracted me to the book is that it's about a different family unit. Another thing that attracted me to the book, I would say, is the, the um, I would say there's a level of, uh, when you look at like the synopsis of the book, synopsis specifically of the book is, uh, it talks about discrimination a lot. So that's something that I also connect to. That's why I chose this book. I like that it's a bit different. And I like that the, uh, the author herself comes from a background where, you know, she's discriminated against, you know, when you look at um, the fact that she was uh, long listed for this woman's prize, there was a lot of question as to whether she's allowed to be listed. So even that made me want to read the book. So that's why I chose the book, actually. So just to say this idea of a non-traditional family, the book, as it were, starts with the story of three very particular people, Reese, um, a trans woman, Ames, who is her ex-partner, and Katrina. And the, I suppose the, the point of contention, or rather the point at which we enter the story, is that a baby is on the way. And these three people are trying to figure out where they fit within this equation, but also then reflecting back on their journeys to this respect, this particular point, and what this says about their identities, their relationships with each other, and what they want in terms of a family unit. And I found this premise actually really fascinating and a really interesting starting point within which to look at, even if you may not identify with their particular circumstances, I think changing notions of what relationships and family might mean in today's context. So yeah. I, I agree with that. I do also want to say, though, that what I enjoyed most about the book was its observational quality. And I, I want to start with that partly because we are talking as if the book is plot heavy, but it isn't. Um, it, it kind of has this one event that's incoming and everybody's grappling with that event. But if you were to take away the flashbacks and um, the look backs at things, what you actually are left with is something like um, three months, I think, three months worth of story in these people's lives, maybe less. I I think I'm getting the timeline wrong. So um, 
because of that, the focus on plot was actually less interesting to me than the, the themes and observations that uh, Tori Peters, I think, was interested in, whether it's about what it means to be, as we've been saying, a family unit, uh, or what it means to be a different family unit, to try and create a family unit unlike others, um, or for that matter, what it means to be something, whatever that thing may be, and the kind of work that is involved for some people in deconstructing the gender that they present as, the gender that they want to present as, the and how that even might shift over time. And I think that was the, the part of the book that was most interesting to me personally. I think that's actually the best and perhaps sometimes the worst thing about the book, uh, which, you know, the criticisms of which I might get into a bit later. But that observational quality, I think, um, is one of the best ways within which to kind of feel like you're on a journey with these characters, where it uh, perhaps has some limitations, is that it ends up feeling a little bit like that's all it does. Sometimes I feel like they're pages and pages of someone telling me about something rather than letting events unfold. Or perhaps not a lot happens, but a lot of it is internal, right? And your mileage for whether you're along for this might depend on whether you like that style because you do get it from different points of view as well. Uh, that helps the momentum of the book to keep going along. Um, I will say that I found uh, that the premise and then the way that premise was carried through to the end was one of the I think one of the rewards for me because it doesn't shy away from uh, looking at the difficulties of these issues. There are some really uncomfortable moments in the book, uh, the ways in which people talk to each other and relate to each other. Uh, and there, those observational qualities actually really excel because you're, you know, you can imagine yourself being um, in these discussions and having these difficult conversations or even um, looking at yourself and feeling the way some of these characters might feel. Uh, the fact that it's observational, I agree with both of you. Um, I'm not sure about the fact that, you know, it feels sometimes like she's telling us a story. Uh, because if uh, I think I saw some interviews with Tori Peters specifically, she makes a comparison with Toni Morrison, right? So she says mm -hmm. that Tori Morrison, she writes for black women, but she doesn't like sort of lecture you. So she said that she tries to do that in this book. So you can see that she very much tries to focus on the story rather than you know, telling us that, oh, okay, these are the kind of medications that this kind of person would take and all these, you know, like the nitty gritty. She doesn't want to focus on that. She focuses on the story. So I saw that, a lot of that, especially through Reese, right? You can see her wit and everything. So I, I, I enjoyed that. She very much, I enjoyed that character in particular. I feel like she's a very original kind of character. I think she also makes a comparison with uh, Fleabag, if I'm not mistaken. So if you, it, it, it does this really famous show, which I also love very much. So she says that Reese is like Fleabag. And I oh. guess there is some level of that. Yeah, yeah. that's what I, I see that. that. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that. I, you know, I can see that actually because you can see Reese, you know, sometimes she, she has these moments where she's sort of uh, in this, um, especially when you look at her interactions with Katrina specifically, right? You can see that she doesn't really trust Katrina. She feels like Katrina's kind of um, this uh, sort of veneer of liberalism, but sometimes you can see that she actually has very conservative qualities. So I see um, a bit of Fleabag in her, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, and I look at now that you mentioned it, well, Fleabag and obviously the great-grandmother of Fleabag, Sex in the City, which is even directly referenced yeah. in the book. Um, I Yeah, you're right. I enjoy that. It's the talking to the camera quality, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you get that a lot with uh, with this and with all of the characters, really. Um, I, think, I think the parts that felt to me like they belaboured the point a little bit was when it felt like... Uh, 
particularly when things that happened in the past are sort of walked through in very quick succession. So this happened and then this happened and then I felt this way and then this happened. And because it's quite a slim book, and that's not a bad thing. I, I like the fact that you can actually get through this story, this whole book very quickly. I think um, for me, the push and pull of this really came down to I love these characters um, and I want to go on this journey with them. But sometimes I also want to just kind of sit with them and not be told, uh, then this happened, then move on, then this happened. So actually, now that you've mentioned Fleabag, I feel like it's a TV quality. It's a TV storytelling quality that the book has. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of a subversive romantic comedy, right? Like yes. If, if you think about it, 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 so it has all the generic trappings of a romantic comedy, which I don't think Fleabag necessarily is, but Sex and the City certainly has that kind of quality to it. And so because of that, you've got the even the idea of the pregnancy, like a surprise pregnancy that now a relationship has to contend with um, and, and the ways that it ripples outwards. That is um, also a convention of romantic comedies or romantic dramas in some senses. So I think... Um, for me, the belaboring of the point, I, I see where you're coming from, but I didn't find the episodic stuff problematic. Um, for me, it came more... I love Reese. I, I thought that Reese's wit and messiness was very enjoyable, particularly when you are not Reese herself or maybe not her friend in real life and you just get to read about her. Um, but I... So, while I enjoyed that a lot, I do think that um, sometimes the dialogue sounded the same in the sense that every character was very pop culture literate. Every character uh, was snappy and witty or understood um, exactly the wavelength that everyone else is coming from. And I understand that that's also what happens when a book is written for and from a specific community, that the language cadence and, and vocabulary of that community is going to come through. So maybe that's just what it was. Um, but I did think sometimes that the characters sounded the same. And uh, that ate into my enjoyment of the romantic comedy stuff. I think the romantic comedy feel uh, is one of my favourite things about the book uh, because it deals actually with some really heavy, difficult themes. Um, the lightness of touch did a lot to help and I and in in a very deft way, right? Because it's not minimizing these issues. Um, it's certainly not saying that these are not deep or difficult. But I think it makes it more possible for a reader who, especially if you don't come from that experience yourself, to be able to go on this and and stay on that journey. I think it's a it's the sort of I don't know. Um, it's a fine line to walk, right? You you step too far one side, you risk sounding flippant. But this book never veers into that. And for that, I actually admired the writing style quite a bit. I think some of the things that, um, like I would say that we're kind of going into the criticism aspect of the book, if, if I had to criticize it at all, but I find it very difficult to criticize it because it's something that is very, I mean, the writing style is quite different from what you find uh, a lot of times, especially when it's a topic like this. Most of the time when you read uh, something that uh, tries to, I think, explore certain difficult subjects or subjects that the general public sometimes cannot accept. You find that it's very much like it's dogmatic to some degree. So I like that she doesn't do that. And in fact, I think if you see when she talks about this book specifically, uh, she just mentioned that that she doesn't, it would be very parochial if we go into this book and it's for, for the purpose of understanding 
you know, like uh, trans people. So, you know, for her, that's very shallow reading. So I, I tried very hard to do that, not to read it to understand. I, I read it to sort of uh, have that experience, maybe like the, the, the characters themselves to have their experiences. But I can understand what you mean when you say that um, there are certain instances where there's that, those cuts and then you see that sometimes it feels like it's all the same person talking, like Katrina Ames and Reese are all actually just the one person, which is probably Tori herself. Um, I see that, <laughs> some of it, I see that, especially when you see, I think there's this one particular scene in the book where they're in a hotel lobby and then they're having a conversation and you see Reese sort of, it's, it's sometimes it's, sometimes some of the issues, like although some of it is really like serious issues, sometimes it feels like, you know, like, um, like Reese, especially, she seems a bit, she comes across sometimes a bit petty. And you see that, um, I think she mentions it as well. Reese herself mentions it. You know, she has a tendency to go into political righteousness. So it's a defense mechanism, I think. It's what the right author is trying to uh, show that Reese falls back on uh, defense mechanisms like political righteousness when she feels um, like her, her voice is not listened to, I guess. Yeah. There's so much I want to say about Reese, but I'll save it for the second half of the show. Uh, we are reviewing um, and talking about Detransition Baby by Tori Peters for our monthly book club. Let us know, have you read it? Um, what are your thoughts on it? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Brainy, fancy material. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're listening to Buy the Book with Sharmila and Lynn. And today we are joined for our monthly book club by lawyer Parveen Koharnam. And together we are talking about Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. It's a book about um, gender, identity and family. I think that's a sort of very broad way of describing what is a book that actually takes up a lot of different themes and issues. I wanted to pick up on where we left off before the break, which is the characters, right? Because with so much of the story resting on the relationship between the three main characters, Reese, Ames and Katrina, I think our how much we like them makes a big difference in terms of how well how well we do with this book. And uh, both of you spoke quite a bit about Reese, and I, and I think that for me, Reese actually took a little bit of warming up to. Um, I was about halfway through the book when I told Lynn. I'm not sure if I like Reese very much, but I realized that where she started really becoming someone I loved was when she started interacting with Katrina. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, and so that's that's just my starting point, really, to get you guys to to ask the obvious question. What did you guys make of the, these three people? Well, um, so I, I liked Reese right away, partly because I enjoyed her her thoughts and treatises on the world and, and the ways in which people engage with her. I thought she was really interesting and funny. Um, Ames was the one who took me a while to understand because um, in a way, Ames is a little bit alien from the story, right? Because they, uh, they're coming back into Reese's life at a very particular point. Um, and we also know Ames in their life through... I'm trying to think about how to to put it, um, but in in terms of how Ames himself thinks about himself, um, he's alienated in several senses because first he understood um, himself as a woman um, or as a man trying to think about how to get there. And then after that, 
there was a further kind of stepping back and alienating away even from his own understanding of himself as that former person. And I know this sounds a bit complicated if you haven't read the book, but it's all laid out quite clearly in, in the flashbacks. And so because of that... Ames took me a while to understand because I feel as if I'm reading through Ames's own process of understanding themselves. And that, so that took me a little while. Um, so at the end of it all, I still felt furthest away from, from Ames as a character. Katrina, I found interesting partly because um, there, she's entering this space as a relative outsider, newcomer, and the, the, engage, the stuff between her and Reese, I think, felt very keenly observed in terms of how women sometimes talk to each other or think about one mm. another, especially when they're meeting somebody new that they want to be friends with. Um, it just reminded me in some ways of how difficult friendship in adulthood can be, even before you have a baby <laughs> thrown into the mix. I just wanted to say that I think the reason I liked Ames at the start of the book, which later became a, a different sort of, I, I never stopped liking them, but um, it evolved. But I think it's because I was seeing Ames through Reese's eyes. Because for, for the first early part of the book, Ames is not fully developed. You know Ames through Ames's relationship with Reese, um, And I think then is only when you start getting to know more about how um, they arrived at where they are, right? Um, yeah, so I, that just came to me suddenly that actually so much of the book rests on each of them seeing each other through each other's eyes as well. Oh, yeah, I think that when I look at the three of them, I think that it's kind of like a um, for me, it was like knowing what a woman is, like, you know, your identity, you know, what, what makes a woman, what makes you a woman? Like when you look at Katrina, the at first I actually took an instant dislike to Katrina. I, I'm not quite sure why. I don't know whether it's because the way she wrote it, you know, the way that Tori wrote it. That's a bit of distrust I felt towards Katrina. Maybe I'm seeing her through Reese's eyes as a possibility. Um, but I looked at the three of them as like um, what a, what makes a woman. Like when you look at Ames. You, you know, like um, I think uh, uh, Lynn was talking about Ames, right? So Ames, particularly, you see her, you see him struggling from, you know, with his identity. And you see even until the end, one of the main things about Ames that struck to me was that, you know, he wasn't, he didn't like the label of being a father. He wanted to be a parent. And that's why he wanted Reese to be a part of their dynamic. And when I look at, like, particularly between Katrina and um, Reese specifically, I see that, um, you know, that that thing about, you know, do you, I mean, if you want to have a child, does that make you a woman? Like for Reese, that's basically the pinnacle of being a woman, for Reese particularly. But for Katrina, it's the choice of, I should have a right of whether or not I want to have children, right? So I, I feel like that's really where I, I found the book to be really the one of the best um, conversations. I would say the book itself is kind of like a conversation of what it means to be a woman. That's why I like it the best with, like you said, the interaction between Reese and um, Katrina, I think there's this one particular scene in a mall, if I'm not mistaken, where they see a kid, the two of them sort of watch this kid and then they sort of conversate and you see that there is a connection between the two of them, a very strong one, actually, um, which you don't see initially. And that's when I sort of started taking a liking towards Katrina. But until the end, I see like, yeah, for me, I was very distant and I didn't quite like Katrina. Even until the end, I feel like she's sort of not really what she claims to be, especially you see her reaction with Reese and... I think there's this particular incident where it comes to, I would say that's really the climax of the book, right? So I, I didn't really like the way she reacted and I don't find, um, um, I think, again, you go into a little bit of questions of morality as well. I feel like she's a bit too morally righteous. That's what I feel. Yeah. 
Can I uh, come back now to the point that you raised, Parvin, right at the start of the show about family? Because I think that question of uh, wanting to be a parent but not necessarily wanting to be a father uh, was alongside the question of what it means to be a woman so central to my read of the book mm. because that was something that um, I personally have never considered. I think most people, um, I'm sure that there are people out out in the world who never consider their gender. But I also know that there's a fair amount of people, even cisgendered people, who spend a considerable amount of time thinking about, you know, their identity and what it means to be a woman and what it means to be to participate in the construction of womanhood and all the rest of it. But parenthood is not something that I had thought about. And I think it's almost like it's a given because um if you're cisgendered and straight, then parenthood is motherhood, fatherhood. That is how it's understood. And oh, that's a rhyme. <laughs> it's a new nursery rhyme that nobody wants. Um, but, but if I think about it in terms of how Ames understands what they want out of the situation, how Reese understands, in some ways, Reese's understanding or desire to participate in the family is much more traditional than what Ames wants. Reese wants to be a traditional mom. Um, you know, even the things that she talks about, about co-sleeping, about uh, her ideas of how she wants to care for for the infant um, all of it is very very gendered and in some ways very stereotypical and understandably so right because it's what we're raised to want um, but the, I, but contrasting that against what Ames wants which is I don't want to participate in this generational idea of fatherhood it is fundamentally problematic to me I thought that was so interesting there was so much about this book I think that um, helps the reader, if they're open to it, unpack their own, not just their own biases, but I think their own self-limitations in terms of how you might think of um, your gender, how you might think of your sexuality, or how you might think of sex and how you relate to other people, how you might think of your body, um, your relationships, the roles that have been passed on. Um, and I think that whether or not ultimately you find the story itself satisfying, I found the journey quite satisfying. I will say that I thought the ending um, to me wasn't the most satisfying, but I think the the, the sparks that it, it sort of created in my mind, um, ideas or questions that it's given me to think about, to ponder on uh, in a very introspective way, that I appreciated about the book. And I also appreciated that it helped me um, perhaps unpack biases that I may still hold um, as much as I try not to um, and sort of think about where they might come from and why I may hold on to them. And, and that's a very important thing. Yeah. I think so. I, I feel like um, um, that's a phrase I think that exists within the book itself. They talk about philosophizing parenthood. I think Ames tends to do that a lot, you know, philosophize parenthood. And you can see sort of at the end, um, I wouldn't say at the end, maybe three quarters of a way through the book, you see we sort of getting really frustrated, frustrated with Ames, you know, for doing this. You know, she's saying that let's just make a family. Let's not think about, it, you know, and then at some point you realize that Ames is probably philosophizing parenthood because he's so afraid actually of the idea of a family and at the end I'm not even sure whether they do have the family so that's like I like you said I think uh Shamila you mentioned I didn't like the ending it was it felt like it was just like there's a story and then it's she didn't know how to end it <laughs> that's sort of how I thought about the ending actually I just wanted to close off um, by asking you both how you felt about this in terms of its politics, because it feels like an overtly political book, at least from the synopsis. Um, 
at least for me, I think what I arrived at, quite surprisingly, was that the book actually makes a pretty strong case for moving away from political arguments or political stances and instead uh, almost almost stands on the side of we need to have nuance, we need to be looking at each other and different people might feel differently and so we need to be open to these conversations no matter which side of the divide we stand on. And I thought that was actually a surprisingly bold way for this book to uh, handle an issue that is as fraught as this. So I think it definitely had some things to say about um, the way online spaces yes. uh, talk about these issues. But broadly speaking, I, I agree. I think that there is a... There was an insistence on personalizing the political, which I liked, um, you know, so that you Thank understand. you for verbalizing what I was trying to capture. That's exactly what I meant. Because then you understand that um, even political ideas, whatever they might be, when they trickle down to personal action, can look very different. And you might make different choices based on what you might want in your most intimate heart of hearts, whether that is in your romantic relationships, whether that is in what you think of parenting you know whether it's how you just get dressed and hit the road like like there are a lot of moments I think where the book specifically makes a point of saying well this is what Reese is doing and this is what Ames might be doing and you can look at it through a wider lens but it's also important to just look at them as individuals and people making the decisions that they feel is right for them at that point in time. So I think about the politics of the book I think one of the main things, um, I think probably because uh, I'm also a Malaysian, so we, I would say that it's a human story, but also we are looking a lot, I, I feel like we, obviously questions of uh, moral come into play. Like you see, you know, is Reese um, an adulteress? You know, that's one question that comes up. You know, is Katrina, um, you know, because she's divorced, does that make her somewhat, uh, morally she's not so superior in the you know eyes of society? And then you've got the question of aims, you know, because she, uh, I mean, sorry, he cannot decide what he wants to be. That Does that make him less of a person, I suppose? Because, you know, he can't really uh, be in any community in a sense, you know, so he's an outcast in every community in some ways. So I think questions of morality definitely come up. And I would say that that's where this book wins, I would say, for me, because she doesn't go, like I said, you know, she, she isn't dogmatic about morality. She isn't dogmatic about any of it. You know, she's just saying these are three very human people. And these are the way that they have decided to live their this is the way that they have decided to live their life. And and who are we to question it really? That's the that's one of the main takeaways for me. Lah. It's that we shouldn't we, we have no right to question anyone and we have no right to um, even try to understand, you know, that's their experiences and you know it's it's not for us to go about, you know, educating ourselves. That's you know a separate uh, thing altogether. Lah. That's not the way that we should be reading books in general. So I think she's taught me a lot as well about how to go into reading in so that's why I say that this, for me, it's very uh, important in a way. Personal journey, like my own personal journey, it's very important because she's taught me how to read more, um, I think, in a more nuanced way, as uh, Shamila puts it. So I think in terms of um, political conversations, how it deals with, I think one of the main aspects that it deals with is definitely uh, morality and moral judgment. And, you know, I think Susan Sontag, she mentions uh, morality in the context of writers, you know. Uh, she talked about how, writers should improve sympathies, right? Even if it's a world that is remote from our own. So for some of us, this may be a very remote world, uh, the world in which um, pre-transition baby exists. Maybe for us in Malaysia, probably this is quite a remote world, but it does improve our sympathy. So I think she has excelled. Sorry, Peter, I would say is a good writer because she's managed to 
give us a, a look that is very authentic. Yeah. Parveen, thanks for joining us for this discussion and for suggesting this book. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad to do it and thank you for uh, giving me this experience. Yeah. We've been talking about Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. Let us know, have you read it? Um, do you plan to? What were your thoughts? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. to footnotes and we thought we'd close off this conversation uh, where we were introduced to a new book by our guest earlier, Parveen, uh, by talking about how we choose new books to read and how we find our next next novel or next read, I guess. Yeah, so I was super intrigued by Parvin's mention of uh, finding or, or seeing this book on a number of lists because those lists proliferate book media, right? They're, they're everywhere, like the top 10 books to look forward to or uh, top 10 books so far in 2022 or, or what have you. And they're things that we report on. I say report. Uh, they're things that we talk about here. <laughs> Breaking on, news. Yes, I know. On, on Buy the Book from time to time as well. I have to confess that I don't always pay that much attention to those lists unless they're telling me a new book is coming out by an author I already know. But when it comes to being introduced to new authors, I find that a lot of it has to do with existing interests um, or for that matter with recommendations from uh, people I trust, fellow readers. That That's generally how I find new reads. I am... I must say ambivalent about these lists. On the one hand... They can be very useful. On the other hand, I sometimes find them overwhelming. Um, I've confessed on the show before how I have a never-ending to-read list. Um, and I often feel like I never get to them as is. So these lists often make me feel pressured to add things to that list that I somehow never get to. Um, and then there's also that thing about the zeitgeist, right? Because some books, people talk about them a lot for a certain point in time. And then you kind of feel like if you don't read it, then you've missed the boat and now you're reading it and no one wants to talk about it. Um, so I have a little bit of those kinds of hang-ups. Largely, I think my, recommend, uh, my choices about what to read next tend to come from personal recommendations. Uh, friends or people whose tastes I enjoy or appreciate or who I know like reading the same things that I do, I tend to take those a lot more seriously. I only as, you know, like you said, I tend to do the list thing when it's an author I'm already familiar with. Or if it really sounds like a story or a theme that I might I might appreciate. Um, fantasy, I think I'm a little bit of a sucker for lists that, especially if they make a case for something that's a little bit more diverse or um, a, a sort of world building that I'm not familiar with, I might go for. Uh, the other thing is, I and I've said this before, I love a good cover. So sometimes actually going into a bookstore and seeing a good cover does a lot for me. I wanted to ask a question to close it off a little bit to a degree, right? Because we while we were chatting with uh, Parveen, one of the things that she mentioned was that she uh, takes an interest in books that that have a specific, in some ways, educational quality or that uh, go along the lines of themes that she's interested in, which is something we've talked about. And I'm wondering how much of your book reading comes with an agenda. Because when I think about it, I find that um, 
not as much as I would want. I think the only thing that I've ever successfully agendified myself into was reading more women. And now that's become like a permanent fixture and women are 80 to 90% of who I read. But that's something that has that I had to consciously do and then now it's become habitual. But in terms of themes that I enjoy, whether it's specific um, politics or diversity or characters, I like to think that it's coming along just as a byproduct of reaching out for things that I'm interested in. But I can't say that I have actually chosen with that specific sort of focus in mind um, in the last, say, couple of years. Not recently, I will say. And I think some of that might have to do with the very existence of this show. The fact that um, I'm often steered towards reading such a wide array of things that I either don't think about an agenda or I don't, I I feel like it's not necessary anymore. And I'm a lot more open to just picking up a book and seeing where it takes me. But I know that in the past, you know, I went through these phases. There was a time when I was voraciously interested in anything to do with the partition in India and Pakistan. Uh, There were other times when I was really interested in reading about World War II, racism, you know, uh, writers from Africa. So there were points in which I definitely did that whole, okay, I'm very interested in this particular train of thought or this subject. And so I'm going to seek out books about them. But I think in my, um, I think in having this sort of abundance of choice now because of our show, I've almost moved away from that and let myself be a lot more loosey-goosey about it. And I think I kind of like that. I, I like sometimes not having my own choices be the only arbiter in terms of what I might read. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it also means that it also means that when I'm getting into a bit of a reading rut or finding it hard to pick up something new, I don't feel hamstrung by saying, well, no, I, I thought that I was going to read um, this year with this particular <laughs> view in mind, you know. So, yeah, I, I think... I just wanted to throw that in because I feel like it's part and parcel of being in a long-term relationship with your reading habit. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and often I think also just reminding yourself off and on that it's okay to just pick up something that catches your eye or your mind. Let us know, how do you decide what to read next? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.